Welcome to the Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast with former TSN radio host Steve Warren and the coach Greg Kennedy. Off the Steve Delzano and a breakaway for Brady Kachuk. Home three with Stutzlaw scores. There's Sportsnet with the call. The very excellent Chris Cuthbert, Tim Stutzla. Continuing to tear it up. Two more goals last night, including that one on a 2-0 with Brady Kachucky. It's the 20-goal plateau. Man, wouldn't that have been perfect if he'd scored on the overtime breakaway for the hat trick versus Toronto? <laughs> Alas, the Sens fall 5-4 in overtime to the Evil Empire, but I'm Mr. Brightside today. We're going to review the Battle of Ontario, which is about to get good again. More injury and illness on the Sens front. Get it out of your system, boys. Do the Sens have cliques in the dressing room? Matthew Joseph might be done for the year. Zach's issue up from the minors. All still ahead today here on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. Thank you for being with us. We hope you enjoy the show. I'm Steve Warren along with the coach, Greg Kennedy. Coach, how are things? Things are good, Steve. It was a good game last night, wasn't it? It was um, It was exciting. You know, it, 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 the, the Leafs never fail to excite because you can't tell if they're any good or they're going to blow a game or what, you know, and even when they're up 3-1, who knows? But it was an exciting game to watch. I was uh, considering the depleted lineup. That's a team that's built to win now, getting ready for the playoffs. And the Senators with the depleted lineup really gave them a game last night, didn't they? Yeah. I thought that the third period was the kind of excitement level that's usually reserved for the three-on-three. And uh, just really exciting back and forth. Probably if you're DJ Smith and you're drawing it up, your defensive scheming, you maybe don't want it to be that wide open, but I think what he's got now is these emerging horses on his roster who do want to play that fire wagon style. The Sens probably aren't deep enough to hang with the Leafs on a regular basis with that kind of style, but it sure was fun for the fans, that's for sure. And for one of the rare times you saw DJ Smith let the boys go and gave them more ice time than he's ever given them, you, it, like Chris Tierney had one shift of 20 seconds in the third period. Gaudette didn't get on in the third. Mete didn't get on in the third. Mete, who was basically your fourth line left winger for the night. He, uh, DJ basically rolled three lines for the third period last night. I mean, unheard of. It was it was like, wow, like either he really wanted to win the game or something was going on, but it was nice to see, wasn't it? Yeah, he really wanted that game, I think. Yeah, he's a former Leafs assistant coach and you always want to beat your old team. I, I think he left on good terms, obviously, for an ascension as far as his profession goes. But uh, that is one of those teams in the East that you're measuring yourself against. And he really wanted that one. And, and it was almost comical, like you talked about, to see how little time that that third line was getting. I guess it's the fourth line, I should say. Right. Um, I think it's pretty clear that Gambrell and Watson and what they're delivering is a whole lot more. And, and Parker Kelly as well than those other guys. Yeah, like Parker Kelly got a lot of ice last night. It was interesting the 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 very very brief experiment of Parker Kelly playing with the big boys up with uh, Kachuk and Norris. And as we talked on the last show, uh, you you being a big fan of Connor Brown, thought that he should be there, and and DJ was listening. Steve, yeah, must be it. He, he put him it. he put him on there for you. <laughs> and and the other thing that I, I I don't know if you caught this or not, but in the first period the Sens were shorthanded twice um, on both PKs. That all-important transition shift, the first shift after the kill is over, where you want to make sure you got the right five guys in the ice. I don't know if you noticed. Well, you, you couldn't help but notice because they scored on one of them. He put out a line of Stutzla, 
Norris, and Batherson. Uh, sorry. Yeah, Stutzla, no, no, Stutzla. Well, now I'm all completely confused. Stutzla, Kachuk. Yeah, Stutzla, Kachuk, and Batherson went on the ice uh, for the first shift after both PKs in the first period. They scored a goal. Like, how's that for a lie? I'll be interested to see what it looks like long term exactly. You've got a guy like Matthew Joseph, who seems to be a guy that you'd think bottom six when he arrived, but he's threatening to be part of that mix in the top six moving forward. Not sure if he will be or not, but. Uh, it's an exciting time for Sens fans right now, no doubt about that. And and Exhibit A is the emergence over the last month in particular of Tim Stutzla. Here's what DJ Smith had to say about Tim Stutzla after the game last night. Yeah, it continues to get better. Um, you know what? Uh, you can see he's he's playing against the league's best, and he's not backing down. Um, you know, again, he might be the best player out there. He's one of them. Um, you know, there's, there's certainly some high-end players over there, but... Um, you know, Timmy's really coming. So there's DJ Smith after the game. And what do you think? Would you regard Tim Stutzla with all the, you know, the Marners and the Matthews and such? Um, would you regard, would you agree with DJ Smith that he was one of the best players on the ice, if not the best player? Oh, for sure. He's just, he's gotten, we always knew he was dynamic, that he had flair. You know, you think back to some of the goals we were, before he was drafted, some of those footage that we'd see of him as a scouting type thing when he was playing in Germany with Mannheim. Um, He's just, he seems to be more and more coming into his own. The confidence is growing. He, He hangs on to the puck more. He, he makes plays now. He didn't necessarily make a lot of plays early in his career, but he sees guys better. He shoots better. He's faster. My God, he's quick. Um, even Mitch Marner. What was the quote from Mitch Marner? Uh, he's going to be a great player in this league for a long time. If Mitch Marner's impressed with him. Then, yeah, I'd say he's probably in the same class as those guys already. What do you think of that moment where Stutzla draws a penalty? <laughs> William Nylander basically in the neutral zone kind of holds up Stutzla as he's charging up ice in the neutral zone. And he kind of stuck his stick out. At that stage, Stutzla looked like he said, you know what, screw it. I'm at the end of my shift. I'm just going to circle back, abandon this forecheck, and make a change. And the referee made a pretty soft call there. For sure, there's criticism to be had, and it's delivered, I think it should be delivered to the referee. But Leaf fans in their glory filled my timeline with, oh, there he goes, Tim Stutzler diving again. I'm like, what are you guys even talking about? I didn't think it was a dive. Like, there was no, I, there was no real embellishment. I mean, no. you, you described it perfectly. He dumped the puck in. He was going to go after it. And then once, once Nylander skated into his lane, it was like, well, I'm not going to get there. He was basically slowing up and turning when he sort of came into contact with Nylander. Uh, like, how much blame goes on the player uh, or, or how much blame goes on the official? It was a bad call. And I would have said that no matter who they called it against, and no matter whether it was a Toronto or an Ottawa, it was a bad call. Soft is is a, is too soft a word in my mind to describe it. Yeah, I mean, he didn't crumple to the ground or take a big dive. All he did was cut back and go back to the bench. Embellishment, dive. It's just a joke. And I think that as we talk about the Battle of Ontario, let me set up the top, it, it does feel like there's a little bit of hate starting to spark again, that it's starting to get loud again. Rank these for me above the three things that drive you crazy about the whole Toronto Maple Leaf experience. Is it the media fawning breathlessly over the team itself? Is it the fans or is it the hockey players themselves? 
Rank those for me if you could. <laughs> well, I'd say number one is the is the fans. I'm sorry. I, 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 I oh, Michael, how are you? <laughs> Michael has arrived. <laughs> I, I, I like I've been uh, I've been there. I've been that fan of a, of a team, but I've never been a, a yeller and screamer, a ranter, or a singer. Uh, you know, wearing the jerseys, being obnoxious. I just I don't do that. I don't like that. I'm not a fan of that. The fans are the most irritating. Uh, the media coverage is second. The players are last. I, I don't have a problem with the players. I don't think that any of them are are any more arrogant or less arrogant than any other player on any other team. Bear in mind, because of point two, the over coverage in the media, we get way more of these players. We see so many more interviews with them. We see so many more. We read so many more stories about them. So yeah. it, it's not like they're going looking for it. Uh, but the, the media is a, a, probably a close number two to the obnoxious fans. How, how are you ranking them? Uh, yeah, I say I'm the same. The fan base just constantly, and they, and and I and I bring it on myself. I lead with my chin. Yeah. I'm constantly <laughs> ribbing Leaf fans on social media. But then I see last night you have this great moment of silence that the Sens mm-hmm. do at the game for former '67 Lance Galbraith, who unfortunately perished in, in a car crash recently, and of course the late Mike Bossy, who was absolutely a legend for the New York Islanders, just an NHL great both passing away in the past week. And so you have that moment of silence. And then you've got these goofballs yelling, go Leafs go during the actual moment of silence. That Those are the things that contribute to it. And then of course, how, you know, they take over the CTC. That's a frustration as well, wearing the blue. And, and, and on that front, by the way, Greg, mm-hmm. anytime the Leafs visit here on out, I'm going to make it a policy to try and remind people and encourage them to wear their red and black to the game. After Tim Stutzler got that goal on the two-on-zero, it was that neat moment where he just sort of jumps into the end boards. Brady Kachuk at the same time does the same thing. It was really cool. So there's a neat still photo of Stutzler taking flight. And in the background, you can see a couple of Sens fans with their arms in the air, and they're both wearing blue windbreakers. Like, <laughs> if, you, if you don't do anything for the, you know, the 40 other games at the CTC, if you're a Sens fan, you got to kind of represent when... You've got so many fans of the blue team that are invading that place. Anyway. But even if you don't reasons. even have a Sens jersey or jacket, don't wear your blue one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a blue windbreaker. There's a guy, you can see it in the background. There's a guy in a blue windbreaker freaking out that Stutzla has just scored. Really? Just, I mean, at least be neutral. That's, that's all I ask. But yeah, <laughs> and the fans like for to- sure. I'd like to have them start. Why? Why can't we? You remember Madison Square Garden uh, when when the when the Rangers, sorry, at, on Long Island when the Rangers would be on Long Island, the Islander fans would chant nineteen forty, nineteen forty. Why can't we go sixty seven? It's the same number of syllables, close enough. You know, sixty seven. Why can't we do that here? Why can't that get started? I love it. Somebody get on that. Yeah, the Rangers have that uh, that that uh, what is it? The Pot Van sucks chance. Still Pot Van sucks. Yeah. And we can probably still work something it. there. Yeah, oh, they certainly do. They certainly do. Because you, you you walk up there to get to the booth. He's back with Florida again. He's doing games on TV. They still yell at him when he's walking up in the stands. It's hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Well, Mitch Marner was doing his bit uh, from the players' perspective to get the uh, Battle of Ontario going. What did you think of his little celebration after the game tying goal? To me, I looked at that and I think I thought to myself, I think he's taking a hard run at Brady Kachuk's frequent celebration 
where he's kind of got his arms in the air and sticks his tongue out. It seemed to me like Mitch Marner was doing the kachuk. What about you? Yeah, maybe he was, right? Like, the more I think about it, like, originally, I'm like, ah, he's just celebrating. But then I'm thinking, no, these guys, give these guys more credit than that, right? And I think it was more, I don't know that it was directed, I don't know that he was doing it to get the fans going. He was probably just taking a shot at, at Kachuk, right? And he probably would have chirped them while doing it. I don't know that he, in the big scheme of things, big picture, he's riling up fan bases here. I don't know that that entered his his mindset. Austin Watson couldn't help but notice all the blue jerseys in the stands because uh, he missed the game earlier in the year due to injury, and uh, he logged his 100th point in the game, has been playing very well of late, contributing offensively as well as doing the things he normally does. And uh, he said it was an awesome atmosphere, but it was a bit weird to see all those blue jerseys. Awesome atmosphere. Uh, kind of weird. Uh, I didn't play early in the year because I was hurt, so weird to see all the blue jerseys mixed in with the with the red ones, but um, makes for a great atmosphere out there. Um, for us, you know, closest thing that, uh, you know, we're going to get this year to a playoff style type game. So it's great for our group um, up and down momentum swings. You hate to see it have to end in three on three overtime as much as the fans might like it. Um, you know, that was a really good hockey game. So it, it, it is frustrating to see so many leaf jerseys at the game. And I was joking that, uh, one thing you could do was make special pricing for anyone wearing blue. You go $67 a beer. Huh? Yeah. No, no cup included. Limit one round. Huh? Huh? The Jim K. Ford Sends Nation podcast. What did you think of the overtime quote unquote winner from Connor Brown? Tim Stutzler goes in. As I mentioned, he had a breakaway in overtime. Couldn't finish it, but the puck was kind of there underneath the pad, and Connor Brown came in and cleaned that thing up, and they disallowed it after a review. What did you think of that call? It wasn't a goal <laughs> for two reasons. Number one, the, the whistle went, and number two, you just simply can't do that. By the, by the rules, you're not allowed to do that. Right, like you can't just shove the goalie into the net with the puck under his pad, it, which is not exactly what he did, but it's it's a no goal, it's a non goal, and the whistle went right. I don't think so. Um, oh. On the replay I watched, uh, I was listening for it, and even Craig Simpson, who seems to favor the Leafs a little bit when he makes his <laughs> announcement, uh, just saying, he thought he thought the same. Uh, I think the whistle clearly went after the puck crossed the line. I was okay with the goal being disallowed. Had the referee come up to the microphone when the review was done and said, we decided that, okay, the goalie had control of the puck. We lost sight of the puck and uh, there was intent to blow. But all he said was the whistle had been blown, which is a lie. <laughs> it never oh. blew until after the puck was clearly across the line. But at the end of the day, I think the right call, that shouldn't be a goal. I mean, that, that puck to me, it's frozen and Brown came in and carved it out. I know some sense fans will disagree with that, but I certainly thought that the puck was frozen. Yeah, it's the intent to blow the whistle. I should be clear. Yeah, yeah. I, maybe the whistle itself had not actually blown, but his arm was probably halfway up to his mouth at the time. Yeah. All right. So the Battle of Ontario again, starting to get loud again, and the Sens fall in that one five four in overtime. And it was uh, certainly, I mean, it just seems like every week there's just a new scenario with somebody getting injured, somebody ill. And Matthew Joseph now looks like he sounds like he's going to be up for the yeah. rest of the season, potentially. Listen to DJ Smith's comments on Matthew Joseph. Yeah, it's it's probably a little worse than what we thought. 
Um, nothing uh, grave. It's it's going to be tight if he gets back in. He certainly won't be in for the next probably uh, week here. That's unfortunate, but it's good to have that guy. I think it's clear, even if he doesn't play another Ottawa Senators game this season, he is an RFA, but that's, I think, he played well enough in his time here that even if he doesn't play again this season, that is a must-sign player. Oh, yeah, they'll, they'll, they'll be signing him. They, they, they didn't make that trade with the intention of not signing. Uh, and because he's an RFA, they've got a lot more leverage than they did uh, than they would if they'd kept Nick Paul around. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And uh, I'm I'm keen to see what he is because what I've seen, you know, if you're just judging from his time in Ottawa, um, man, if you, if he, if that guy came as a 15th overall draft pick, um, you know, maybe we'd be thinking of him in different terms. But there's a guy that was drafted later out of St. John, at what fourth round I think. And his stats in junior were good, but he could have been buried behind an elite team in Tampa Bay. And I'm hoping that that's a real diamond in the rough for the team moving forward. But I really don't know. I, I think it's too small a sample size at this stage of the game. And uh, we shall see because it's not going to be long when you see Stutzla and you see Kachuk and Batherson and Norris and all the things they're doing. It's not going to be long before the potential to get blocked here is in place but it's certainly, I think, opportunity knocking for Matthew Joseph. Yeah, the key being it's a small sample size. And let's, I sincerely hope that the Senators understand that, that the brass of the Senators understand it's a small sample size. Don't automatically anoint this guy as a top six player and pay him as such and then decide not to go out and try to find somebody else. Like, yes, he's a great piece to have. Sign him to a reasonable contract based on his performance over the course of the last three seasons and not just the last three weeks and or month and a half, whatever it is, and, and continue to try to improve up, up front. This segues nicely into a discussion about Nick Paul and something he said on the weekend. Of course, Nick Paul was acquired effectively one for one for Matthew Joseph. Is it possible the sense of a problem with cliques in the dressing room? These are the conclusions and speculation one can draw when a player makes the comments that Nick Paul did to Joe Smith, who covers the Tampa Bay Lightning, and he put it out on Twitter, Joe Smith did. Nick Paul said he's feeling more comfortable on and off the ice with the Tampa Bay Lightning. His fiance and two dogs have come down. What has struck him here in Tampa Bay is there are no cliques on the Cup champions. It's like a family, everyone invited to everything. And it's certainly easy to read something like that, given that Nick Paul has only ever been with one other NHL organization and wonder if he's actually saying that Ottawa has a problem in those departments, that maybe in Ottawa there are cliques, maybe in Ottawa guys get excluded. What do you think? I think that um, you said it best in a, in a text to me. Uh, what somebody says when they arrive at a new place to, to say how nice it is here, things tend to get blown out of out of uh, context and taken as a as disparaging comments about where you've come from. Uh, I, I think that if you asked him again, he, he he would have gladly added the phrase, you know, just like in Ottawa to to that that quote. I, I, that's my thought anyway. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. And I think you're, you're really jumping to conclusions. And it's the same we, we see it all the time when a player is asked about a new coach who's just come in. You know, I really like this coach because he does this, this, and this. That makes it sound like the old coach wasn't doing any of those things. 
You know, in the case of Nick Paul, maybe he thought going to Tampa Bay, he had a preconceived notions about what's going on there and, and things are better than he thought. So, and, and we didn't hear the full quote either. And I'm, I'm absolutely 100% sure if you do a follow-up question with Nick Paul to what he said there, say, well, Nick, tell me about those situations in Ottawa. Were there cliques in Ottawa? Did you feel excluded in Ottawa? I'm absolutely certain he was saying, no, 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 I didn't mean it that way. I just feel like, you know, this is something. And it could be that Tampa Bay is extraordinary in that area and that the Sens are merely excellent in that area. So it's too many conclusions you're jumping to if you're going right to that concept of, oh, my goodness, the Sens have a, a clique issue. Maybe they do. I don't know. Only the people in that room would truly know that. But I'll say this. As someone who's covered this team forever, I've seen a team that has cliques. Let's go back to the Uber incident. Let's go back to the Hoffman-Carlson incident. Everything I see from this team right now here in 2022, I say to myself, this looks like a team that has as as great a camaraderie as I've ever seen with this franchise. So I'm doubtful that there's any problems in that area. Yeah, I mean, the other thing is he he may have meant it as he was surprised by it, right? Like, like this is the way it is in Ottawa. I came here to the championship team with some high-end guys making big bucks along with pluggers like me, and it's a family, and everyone gets invited to everything. And, you know, it could have just been that he was surprised by it. So I don't know that we need to read that much into it, but I'm sure the Senator Twitterverse is going to is gonna get on that. Although one person did reply to the tweet, by the way, if you scroll down and look at the comments, one person said something along the lines of like, did he really say that? Uh, did he actually say there's no cliques? And Joe Smith, the writer, replied and said, he actually said that, yes. So he still, he didn't help to clarify it in any way when he had an opportunity. So who really knows? But uh, I can't see Nick Paul being the kind of guy that's going to be trashing Ottawa. Right, because he's going to resign here this summer, so he'll clarify <laughs> things before. That. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve and the a new segment on the show called Wishful Thinking. Well, I'll tell you this: he won't be resigning in Tampa. That's not going to happen. They 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 just don't have the money. They don't have the the, the money that he wanted here. Uh, he's not going to get that in in Tampa for next season. They simply cannot afford that cap wise. That's why Matthew Joseph is here. Matthew Joseph is a guy that Tampa Bay Lightning wanted to keep but they saw the writing on the wall this summer when he becomes an RFA, they, they knew that we can't give you a raise. We're, we're barely scraping by cap wise to, to pay you what you're getting. So if you're looking for a raise, we're going to have to part company. And well, of course he's going to be looking for a raise. Every free agent of the NHL is. So anyway, um, so interesting story there. So I, I would like to see Nick Paul back here. If it came to that, I think he's a good fit on the bottom six, but uh um, when it comes to the open auction, although, you know what, in the brave new world we're in right now, who knows what the where the senators stand because there, there's effectively new ownership. So I, I don't know what things are going to look like this summer, because that's one of the things we've talked about under Eugene Melnick. Ah, he's not willing to spend the way others others do. And um, everything's on the table right now in terms of an evolution of this franchise. Good point. Well, we'll just it's it's a wait and see kind of thing. Although I'm I'm not as gung ho as you are about seeing him in the bottom six. I've been I've been happy with what I've seen and uh, from the players that are here and from the players that are going to be here. That I don't think they have to go out and sign him to the kind of money that he wants. But you, you never know. 
Yeah, and I think the price will have to be right for sure. Yeah, I think uh, he doesn't upgrade you enough in the bottom six where you say, uh, "Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and give you, you know, north of three million dollars." I don't, I don't know, I don't know if anybody's going to do that for Nick Paul at this stage of the game. Um, there was a guy back in the day, like not that long, I don't know, probably three, four years ago. I'm losing track of time. Max Verano, local kid, mm-hmm. NCAA player, signed as a free agent out of college with the Sens and got in a few games, as many NCAA agents. Um, will free agents will do and uh, didn't stick with the club Had some nice numbers in Belleville and then ended up going over to Sweden to play there uh, he has signed on with the San Jose Sharks this week how many Sens Sharks connections can you come up with I wonder you don't necessarily have to do it but I think we all know there's a bunch of them aren't there yeah it's interesting but good good for the kid he um he I, I think it was too early I don't think he was ready to play in the NHL uh, when he got here, but you know, you, generally speaking, you always give those guys a game right after you sign them, or a game or two or three, and he, he sort of finished the season down the stretch. They eventually traded him to Toronto. I want to say he he ended up That's playing right. with the Marlies right before he went off to Europe. He's probably a little more seasoned now, uh, understands how to be a pro, and 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 will probably do all right there in San Jose because there's. There's room in that lineup, and there will be more room come this summer because they may be a team that's finally going to say, "Okay, look, uh, it's, uh, enough's enough." The the window closed two years ago. It may be time to make some some big changes down there, and the, and the kids probably got a chance to play. Yeah, and he played great. He was the MVP of the Swedish league. He had sixty points in fifty one games with Lexans. So good for the kid, and hopefully he finds a home with the San Jose Sharks. That would be great for the Ottawa native. And our MVP, ladies and gentlemen, here on the podcast is, of course, Jim K. Ford. They get about a nice used vehicle for the summertime, but maybe you're a little uncertain about it. Well, Jim K. Ford is your Ottawa certified pre-owned Ford dealer. They remove all the worries with a 12-month, 20,000-kilometer limited warranty coverage, vehicle history report, purchase financing rates from 1.99%, 24-hour roadside assistance, and much more. That is peace of mind when you're getting yourself a used vehicle. Check out jimkford.com, 1438 Uville Drive in Orleans. All right, some roster shuffling. I mentioned uh, Matthew Joseph is out and Colin White is out with COVID. Just never ends, it seems. Never ends. And so they had to go with Victor Mete playing at Ford uh, as just a total emergency situation. And meanwhile, they've uh, since uh, here we are on Sunday, April 17th, the Sens have uh, decided to call up Zach Sinitian. That's a guy that in minor hockey you coached before, former Boston Bruin. Didn't exactly light it up in Belleville, but this is, as I said many times leading into these uh, dog days for the Sens, this is the time to kick tires. This is the time for mad science. Yeah, it's the mad science, uh, throw them in a blender and, and uh, combine that with let's see what we've got and who can play where. And it's it's nice that they've, they've given him an opportunity. Uh, a lot will depend on who he plays with. I mean, it's the same thing when they call up any of these guys, when you called up Sokolov or when you call if and when they call up Yarventi, you know, who, who are they going to play with? You want you want a player to show what he can do. Then a lot depends on who he's playing with and who he's playing against. So it'll be interesting to see. I hope the kid gets an opportunity. Yeah, I hope so, too. The The stats were not there in Belleville. 13 games played, just two assists. So I'm not real optimistic, but you're always going to pull for the local guy. Okay, to close it out today, a little bit of fun after the game. A bunch of the boys headed down to the Byward Market to the Heart and Crown. 
or at least Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris did, and they took to the stage. Yes, they took to the stage. The band invited them up on stage to sing The Killer's Mr. Brightside, and that's why I used the intro to the show that I did. So here's Brady and Josh Norris singing it up downtown. That's a fine place to call it quits. SensNationHockey.com is our website. Lots of great articles there. And next week, by the way, the Blue Team Elimination Watch t-shirts go on sale for another year. So watch for that. SensNationHockey.com. Greg, great job as always. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Steve. Talk to you. Thanks for being with us on the Jim K. Ford Sens Nation podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and review. Share this show with your friends and followers or become a member on Patreon. Check out our website today at SensNationHockey.com.